deadly protests and riots and the storming of American embassies that started on September the 11th in Egypt have quickly spread to Libya, Tunisia, Sudan, Yemen, Lebanon, Gaza, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Morocco, Israel, Iraq, India, Indonesia, and others. Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. Ironically, the worst of the violence is originating from the many of the countries that were involved in the quote-unquote Arab Spring, and where America and her allies supported the transition to democracy. Libya is one such place where the American ambassador and a number of others were killed. All this was apparently in response to a low-budget film insulting the Prophet Muhammad that was posted on the internet, although many doubt that, pointing to the level of the organized protests and the timing on September the 11th. The long-term results and lasting impact of the events taking place are hard to predict. We do know, however, that nations such as Libya are not destined to be pro-American. Quite the opposite, in fact. We have looked many times on the Bible and the news at the final lineup of the nations at the Battle of Armageddon in Ezekiel 38. There we find a northern confederacy of nations led by Russia and the Catholic Church and a southern confederacy of nations led by Britain. There we find, for example, that Libya is with the Northern Confederacy of Nations. So no matter how much help America, Britain, and, China, and uh, Canada give them in turfing out Gaddafi, they are not destined to be friends. What we find when we go through the list of Middle Eastern nations in Ezekiel is we find them quite split, some with the Northern Confederacy and some with the Southern. To understand the Arab world and where it came from and where it is headed, we go back to Genesis, and the account of Ishmael, Abraham's son through Hagar. We do not have the time to go into this in detail here, but we do find that God has a purpose with this family. It was not through Hagar that the promises of a chosen seed, etc., would be realized, but through Sarah and Isaac. That said, in Genesis chapter 16 and 12, we find very significant promises regarding the future of the Ishmaelites. They would be wild in character and behavior. They would be belligerent by nature toward mankind at large. They would be fractious, always struggling and against each other. They would dwell in the presence of all his brethren, is the quote. Young's Concordance opens that up and gives us a little more meaning uh, and would give it more toward uh, the meaning of to the face of in term of meaning east of Israel. So you could read that as dwelling in the presence, or sorry, dwelling to the east of Israel. Further to that, if you continue on into chapter 17, we have God's response to Abraham's, uh, Abraham's yearning that Ishmael could share in the promises, and that's in Genesis 17, 18 to 21, because Abraham is saddened uh, for, for Ishmael. And God says... For Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him, will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac. When we look at the world today, we must admit that the Arab world is wild, belligerent, and factious. There was, however, a promise that they would become a great nation, and we can't overlook that. When we look into history... That is exactly what happened with the rise of Islam in A.D. Uh, 632 with the Prophet Muhammad, or their so-called Prophet Muhammad. 
and the Muslims uh, extended their territory at that time to a vast expanse, a territory that included Spain, stretched across the whole of North Africa, included the entire Middle East, and stretched east to the borders of India and China. It was truly a massive empire. And when the time came for God to end the political power of the Roman Empire, he did so in the West using the barbarian invasions. And in the East, God used the Muslims, the great nation of Islam, to bring judgments on Eastern Christendom, the Byzantium Empire. Now, speaking of this time, Revelation in Revelation chapter 9, uh, we read the following. And the fifth angel sounded, and jumping down a little bit, there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And the shapes of, uh, and the, shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and, on their, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Now we have to interject here and make a note that in Scripture the Midianites of Arabia are called grasshoppers or locusts in the Revised Version margin. Um, Judges chapter 6, 1 to 6, and chapter 7 and 12. It says at that time, in the past, they came against Israel as grasshoppers for multitude. In the LaRousse history, speaking of this time of the Islamic expansion in, uh, in AD 6, uh, well, he starts at 674, he says this, um, Between uh, 674 and 677, Muslim squadrons reappeared each spring. In 737, Leo III suffered several raids from Asia Minor. Two years later, 150,000 Muslims, stripping the country bare in their passage, advanced as far as the Nicaea. Well, the great Islamic empire had its day in the sun, and God had use for it. But later, God used four eastern powers, it tells us, to continue the judgments on eastern Christendom, powers that actually adopted Islam the last of which was under Othman in the 14th century. The Ottomans took Constantinople in 1453 and drove out the last of the phony Christians, uh, Christians Caesars, who actually, if we follow it, they take off north up to Kiev uh, and up to Moscow to become the Tsars of the Third Rome. This Ottoman Empire really lasts until the First World War when, the joining, when joining forces with Germany proves disastrous. The decline was foretold in Revelation 16 in the words, the drying up of the river Euphrates, meaning the power surrounding the Euphrates was to be dried up. And we've spoken about this uh, before on this program. Well, that happened to the Ottoman Empire but we still have the Ishmaelites. And what happened to the Ishmaelites during this time? Essentially, uh, through time, their empire dwindles away. And essentially, they became the fractious people that they once were. And after the First World War, we then see the power of the Ottoman Empire drying up. And Britain now is um, in the Middle East, along with a few other nations. And they redraw the map, essentially, into what we have today. Also... In all this upheaval, there's something else going on, and that is a home for the Jews in their ancient land. 
And this home for the Jews is born through the 1917 Balfour Declaration and the 1947 UN Resolution. And this brings back to the forefront the age-old struggle between the sons of Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. And I find this amazing that after thousands of years and so much history and so much that's gone on, we find the descendants of Ishmael still a fractious people, divided between their princes, still belligerent in the news, and this week as wild as ever. Well, for what the future of these uh, people holds, when we come to Ezekiel 38, as we mentioned at the beginning, we find them divided between the northern and southern confederacies. It would seem, when we look at the nations of Ezekiel 38 and the world as we see it today, those Arab nations and those in the Middle East divide, uh, it would seem, according to the Ezekiel 38 and the way we see it, between Sunni and Shiite lines. Now, after that, after uh, the, the crisis that is, that is coming in the Middle East that we see uh, in Ezekiel 38, what then? While God remembers his covenant with the children of Israel, will send Jesus Christ back to save the people from their troubles. So, what about the Arabs? Well, they too have a blessing in store, and it seems they will be among the first that submits to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, we're saying that the Arabs will forsake Islam, but so too will the Jews accept Jesus Christ. Reading from the book of Isaiah, uh, this is actually starting at the end of chapter 59, uh, The Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of thy mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all they that gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see, and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, and all they of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praise of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee, the rams of Nebaioth. Now those two, if you go back, were actually two sons of Ishmael. So we have two sons of Ishmael ministering unto thee, the Jewish people. And they shall come up with acceptance on mine altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. That's, that actually was Isaiah 59, verse 20, through chapter 60, in verse 7. So yes, we have the children of Ishmael coming to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in the Jewish temple. Not only that, but Isaiah also tells us of the desert blooming and rivers running through it. There is a dramatic change that is going to happen in the Middle East, and it is an incredible future, although we must admit must, uh, much has to happen before that time. Well, much is happening in the Middle East, 
and even in the world, especially when we look in relation to Israel. Israel has struck oil and gas, so the jokes of God giving the Jews the only land in the Middle East without oil are over. Further to that, America is looking to become less reliant on Middle East oil, and therefore the Arab nations, you could assume, may become of a little less importance than they have today. However, the Arab Spring is still springing, and this is taking the attention off Israel to some degree, and they are building settlements on the mountains of Israel at a rapid pace. God has said that Jews will be on the mountains of Israel, and that is continuing to build. So as we said before, the long-term results of the current crisis are hard to know when we look uh, at it from the middle, as when we're in the middle of it, but we are told in Ezekiel 38 that when Russia comes down on Israel, they come against a land of unwalled villages and against a people living peacefully. What will bring about that peace could only be speculation, but something has to change in the land as we see it today. This we can be sure of. God's hand is at work, making ready for the time of His Son's return. We look forward to that time when the chosen people of Israel will accept their Messiah, and their cousins, the Ishmaelites, will dwell peacefully with them and come to worship at the one, uh, worship the one true God in His holy temple. Thanks for joining us again this week as we watch the news for signs of the coming of Christ. And join us again next week for another broadcast, God willing, at BibleInTheNews.com.